Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Ranch Show on AM 770 KTTH. We are streaming on the KTTH smartphone app. The city of Seattle passed a watered-down drug ordinance. Will it accomplish anything? Well, that's what's trending. What's trending? The drug crisis. As we predicted would be the final vote tally yesterday during the show as the Seattle City Council was debating this new ordinance, one that is months and months and months overdue. The vote was six to three. Three voting no, Tammy Morales, Teresa Mosqueda, and Shama Sawant. Now, two of them are running for office. Teresa Mosqueda is looking to ditch the Seattle City Council to take on the King County Council. It's looking like a very easy and clear victory for her, much to the, uh, I don't know, detriment of King County. But there's considerably less damage she can do there versus what she's been doing in Seattle. And then, of course, you have Tammy Morales, a socialist who is running for re-election in her district. And she's telling her district, one that is one of the two that have been hit the hardest by the drug crisis, she's saying she does not hear any of your concerns. Please re-elect me. That's her pitch. I'm ignoring everything you want. I'm taking positions that would make this community less safe. Vote for me. Now, whether or not folks in the community find that to be an effective pitch, well, I guess we'll find out in a few weeks. Now, the big piece, aside from handing over the duties to the Seattle City Attorney to actually charge, the big piece of this legislation doesn't actually exist yet. (laughs) I did this story, ironically, I did this story a few weeks ago, maybe even like six weeks ago, and I said part of the reason why this bill wasn't really getting the traction that it needed to was a big piece of this is based on an executive order coming from the mayor's office. The mayor didn't want to put out an executive order because he wanted to ensure that it wouldn't get marked up by the council. Now, that could be a good thing, but it also could be a bad thing. It could be a good thing if it, in the end, explains that the cops have a lot of power to enforce this law. Because the whole idea of this new law was based on designated designating a diversion and treatment program as the quote-unquote preferred approach to the drug crisis. You still can retain the ability to make the arrests when you need to, but this is about pushing people into treatment. And in general, again, I've said this before, I support pushing people into treatment, not into jail, unless they are violent criminals or they are prolific criminals. Then, sorry, you're going to jail. You can detox there. But if it is someone who's not hurting anyone other than themselves, then, sure, you should give this person a chance. If they say no and no and no again, okay, you're out of chances. Now, this executive order will either say the police should not make arrests until X, Y, and Z are met, or it could be the opposite. Hey, we'd prefer you to go about it this way, but go ahead and make arrests using your discretion. And that's why I say it could be either good or bad that the council didn't get a say in all of this. And frankly, Teresa Mosqueda, the council member who is running now for King County Council, she's out there saying, and yesterday, she the reason why she voted no, she said at least in part, 
was because she thinks that this executive order and what ends up being in this bill will effectively allow cops to make arrests too easily. Now, in context, understand Teresa Mosqueda doesn't think there ever should be arrests. This makes the bill, the bill's purported focus on diversion, less concrete if we expressly say that this diversion framework doesn't need to be followed. So that's her concern. Now, I hope her concerns are valid because that means we're actually going to put people in jail when they deserve to be in jail. Deborah Juarez, the council president who voted in favor of this watered down ordinance, she said, look, it's not perfect. Jason keeps calling it watered down. But I'll give it a shot anyway. I will be supporting this. Is it the best? No. Is it an answer to everything? Absolutely not. Really, uh, really taking a proud stance behind your vote in this piece of legislation. One woman who showed up was with the group of the cray crays. Did the kids still call them cray cray? Yeah, all the time. Yeah, all the cray cray people showed up. That's for for the adults who aren't as hip and cool to the lingo as this 41-year-old is. I mean, 28-year-old. Cray-cray means crazy-crazy. Cray is short for crazy. And the crazy showed up. The ones who are in favor of drug legalization, and in fact, going one step further than that, they support what it is that's happening on the ground right now. Lots of them showed up. Most of them, by the way, were white while complaining that this is going to kill more black and brown people because they love to play white saviors. Not all of them were white, but a lot of them were. I think people are going to die from this legislation. We need to just do the right thing and actually help people. We just have to help people. That's all that I'm saying. We need to help people. But you're not helping people when you allow them to continue to use suffering no consequences whatsoever. Now, as the final vote went down, the cray-cray group, they were all mad. They were yelling. They were interrupting. They were even at one point hissing. Empower the Republican prosecutor. Okay. Okay. By the way, that guy who just spoke there wrote, empower the Republican prosecutor. This is a guy who was a moderator at a council debate between Tammy Morales, who he is an ally of, and Tanya Wu. Just keep that in mind. This is a guy who from time to time, I think his name is pronounced Day Sheik Kim, something like that. He likes to troll me on Twitter slash X from I just this is one of those people who I just ignore. Just a lunatic. Uh, Councilmember Nelson. Aye. Senator Nelson. Aye. Hey, dummy. That, that doesn't do it. That doesn't mean anything. Ooh. Oh, no. They're hissing. I'm going to start doing that when I disagree with you. It's just it's just so dumb. Maybe they're fans of snakes. Yes. Oh, what a shame. Shame on you. says the person who holds a position that is helping us see a historic number of dead addicts. Now, weirdly enough, I actually agree to a point with they have blood on their hands because they waited this long and they didn't have to. They made that choice. And as a decision, 
to prolong this, with the exception, of course, of Sarah Nelson, Alex Peterson, and Deborah Juarez, who are on the side of sound policy here. As a result, more people died. Two and a half years ago, Democrats, radicals, legalized drugs in this state. And since then, what has happened? What has happened? Oh, look at that. A rise in historic, a historic rise in overdoses. You're going to hear- I love that some people in the crowd were like, will you guys shut up? Can you just shut up? Shut your dumb face. At one point, God bless him. Let's try to track him down. He's the owner of Cannabis City Collective, something like that. He was there. And while Shama Sawant was doing her tired speech, this is somehow all because of capitalism, blah, blah, blah. He just starts yelling at her, say, take off that black face on a white agenda, something like that. And he's like, it's time to clean the city up. Brian Suits was playing the audio earlier this morning. Jonathan Cho also is a proud boy needs to get out. Jonathan Cho, who filmed this, God bless him because he's up there in their faces. Jonathan Cho is a proud boy. He has to get out. This is City Hall where we don't allow people like that. These people are insufferable. They don't know what it is they're talking about. But here's also the truth. You know what's going to change as a result of this policy? Literally nothing. Nothing will change. Because number one, most importantly, we do not have the police force in order to do anything with this new policy. It will give some cops an additional tool in certain circumstances. But it's not like cops are called to the scene of, hey, I just saw someone smoking fentanyl in front of a storefront. Cops send someone over. They don't send anyone over for that. And they're not going to change that. So that's number one. Number two, nothing's going to change because we're still not really even enforcing uh, the, the detox portion of things. And we won't. We don't put enough funding into drug treatment. So this is just going to fall flat on its face, at least in the short term. Long term, good news, because it is a step in the right direction. There's no doubt this is a step in the right direction. The reason why Deborah Juarez in that clip didn't sound all that excited was because it's not really going to a bell. But the one piece that moves from King County prosecuting attorney's jurisdiction to the Seattle City Attorney, that very clearly is a good move. That is a good decision. That is a good step. And there will be cases in which someone is breaking the law and found to have whatever their drug of choice is on their person or high at the time. And she will be able to use that as leverage. So that's a positive. But overall, we're probably not going to see any changes, at least not in the short term. But step in the right direction. Push the button. What's trending? Crime. The 18-year-old suspect, his name is Antonio Hartman. He is accused of killing a 19-year-old at a basketball court in Puyallup. And we don't know all the specifics as to why they don't believe that this was gang-related. But he was finally caught. This ended up first occurring on September 3rd. And up until recently, we haven't been able to find this guy. But Pierce County Sheriff's deputies, they made the arrest. 
They say he was driving a stolen car with his 16-year-old girlfriend. There was a little bit of a police chase in which he crashed into crashes into a semi. But then he ends up driving off still. Then he, of course, eventually gets caught. And now we get to listen to him get arrested and pretend that he doesn't know what's going on and why. There's a suspect in a homicide. You are under arrest. Understand? Wait, 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 wait. What'd you say? Give me an audio. Get this hand out. No, no, before that. Under arrest. For what? For what? For what? Dummy. So, first of all, hey, dude. When cops are pursuing you and you speed away, you are committing a crime. When said cops end up grabbing you and putting you in handcuffs, you are under arrest. So this whole, wait, what'd you say? Say that again? Are you unclear as to what's going on right now? The officer who is putting you in cuffs, that deputy, you're not sure what's going on? Wait, say no, that, that, that part, the, the part before that, what'd you say? He knows, of course, exactly why he's being arrested. Because he is accused of shooting and killing a 19-year-old named Kaylin Collins. It happened in the Lapoma Furs neighborhood at a playground and park. Several 911 callers said they heard multiple shots being fired. They saw several vehicles drive away. And through... Their investigation, they were able to identify Antonio Hartman, this 18-year-old, as the suspect. I believe he's the only suspect in this particular case. So we'll see what kind of evidence they have. We're obviously not privy to that information completely at this point. I imagine some of it has to do with surveillance. But good on them. Good on the Pierce County Sheriff's Office. And thank you so much for releasing the body cam footage without making everyone wait a year and a half for some public disclosure request to put this stuff out there, because I do think that it is important to show these cowards running away and then ultimately getting caught and humiliated. Maybe, 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 maybe that can change some other behaviors in the future for other folks, because hopefully this guy is going to spend a whole lot of time in jail. Now with in fairness, It is Washington State, and if he's guilty, he probably will only spend about 18 minutes in jail. But, hey, one can dream. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending? National. There was a Merrick Garland hearing today, and the vast majority of it focused on the Hunter Biden investigation. We'll actually talk about that later in the show, because there was a point that just keeps coming up. And the way that either Merrick Garland or any other official responds, including Christopher Wray, FBI director, makes it seem even more and more and more likely to be a reality and not a conspiracy theory. Now, I don't believe that there were hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of undercover FBI agents or any law enforcement in the crowd on January 6th who helped not just instigate but actually committed the crimes. I don't believe that. Do I believe there were some? Yes. And I believe there were some because of answers like this one from A.G. Merrick Garland when asked about this by Representative Tom Case, uh, Massey from Kentucky. You're signing the Constitution. I'm going to sign it. It's our constitutional duty to do oversight. Now, in that video, that was your answer to a question to me two years ago. 
When I said how many agents or assets of the government were present on January 5th and January 6th and agitating in the crowd to go into the Capitol and how many went into the Capitol, can you answer that now? I don't know the answer to that question. Oh, last time, you don't know how many there were or there were none? I don't know the answer to either of those questions. If there were any, I don't know how many. You've I don't know whether there are any. I think you may have just perjured yourself that you don't know that there were any. You want to say that again, that you don't know that there were any? I have any? no personal knowledge of this matter. I think what I said the you've, last time. You've had two years to find it. out. And it, today, by the way, yep. that was in reference to Ray Epps. And yesterday you indicted him. By the way, and he'll make this point. Ray Epps, of course, the guy who's caught on video encouraging people to go to the Capitol. And everyone thought that he was some undercover agent. And now he gets hit with misdemeanor charges. Listen to the point that Thomas Massey makes. Isn't that a wonderful coincidence on a misdemeanor? Meanwhile, you're sending grandmas to prison. You're putting people away for 20 years for merely filming. Everything about this, including, by the way, the Ray Epps news of the misdemeanor charge makes me actually believe in the conspiracy theory. It, it, I, I now, before I didn't believe that Ray Epps was connected to the government. Now, after this, I'm like, wait, why'd he only get a misdemeanor? You're literally putting people away who weren't even there at the time of the insurrection. But Ray Epps, not a misdemeanor? And, and Massey is right. You're putting grandma and grandpa in jail, but you're not going to put Ray Epps in jail? Subjectively, you can say he was way worse. And objectively, you can say that he was way worse in his conduct, which was caught on video. But this question, is this the first time it's been asked? No. As he points out in the clip, Massey asked this exact same question two years ago. This is not a new question by any stretch. It is one that is asked very frequently. Why does he not find out the answer is that not weird seriously is it not weird i'm looking at you it's a little bizarre just a little bit just a little tiny bit you know it's being asked do you not get on the phone and say hey you know what this thomas massey guy and all those republicans can we just shut them up and just tell me the answer what's the number it's zero right well how are we defining zero? Oh no don't sell don't tell me anymore I have to be in a position where I don't perjure myself. Then he hangs up and he never talks about it again. That's likely what happened. If there was no one who was, again, this is not a controversial question to me, unless the answer is controversial. Was there anyone in the crowd on January 6th that was a government agent of any kind working, whether in law enforcement or something else, that was there encouraging folks to storm the Capitol? Yes or no? If the answer is no, then great. We can all just put this to rest and move on. If the answer is yes, well, he knows that that's a pretty significant issue that he's going to have to answer for. All Everyone would have to answer for that. So why not just say no? If the answer is no, why not just say that? Why not find that information out and put this to rest? Because the answer is yes. The extent, I obviously have no idea. But if the answer was no, he would say it was no. There's no other reason to deny this. And if you think that there is, tell me tell me the answer. Because I was thinking about this earlier, and I, I tried to convince myself 
that one possible answer is that by not engaging on this, because 99.12,000% of the country did not see this today and will never hear that clip, part of me wonders if he's still playing coy here because then it will encourage Republicans to bring this up. And because it very clearly sounds like a conspiracy theory, let's be honest, it sounds like one. doesn't mean it is, but it definitely sounds like one. They will be dismissed as crazy conspiracy theorists. Is that That's the only thing that I can think of for him to continue to say what he's saying, which is basically nothing. It, it is, it's truly remarkable the level of disrespect they have for the American people for lawmakers who are asking reasonable questions. It would be unreasonable to keep harping on this if they said over and over and over again, I don't know what else to tell you. The answer is no. Stop it. Shut up. You're annoying. Okay. That's one thing. He's not answering a question that seems pretty easy. And it's not just him. Christopher Ray won't answer that question directly either. That's odd. It's really odd. 1-800-465-8770. You're listening to The Jason Rant Show. This hour brought to you by American Water Damage Restoration. When we come back, Charlie Kirk got swarmed by hecklers at Northern Arizona University in a very embarrassing display from the radical left. Plus, my account on Newsbreak got dinged for misinformation. How they responded when I called them out. Ooh, it's going to be fun. I'm going to talk about that when we return on the Jason Ranch Show. Welcome back to the Jason Ranch Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Back in June, a popular news aggregator site and app called Newsbreak, they, from their official Twitter account, they reached out to me saying, hey, we would like you to post some content with us. And it makes sense because they are a very much a a growing app. They are in the business of getting good content to put out in front of its viewers, its readers. And I do good content. And so they reached out to me. And after some back and forth trying to figure out, you know, some of the actual asks on their side and how we would even do it, I said, okay, cool, I'm in. And so I didn't start with them until about a week ago. Again, there were some back-end things that weren't making sense to me, but eventually they got the RSS feed, for those of you who are nerds and know what that is, from my blog. And now everything that I would post at KTTH.com would also go there. And again, to me, that's great, right? I think you have to be everywhere all the time. That's why I'm on apps I don't even particularly like. I'm on threads. I don't really use it all that much beyond just content distribution, but that's the business I'm in. I'm successful if I get my content in front of as many people as humanly possible. So that means my words, my voice has to get in front of as many people listening either on the radio or on the app or stream when I'm writing something, eyeballs on the stories. That's how I get Success. That's how I get paid. But yesterday I decided in a little bit of a snarky email to delete my Newsbreak account. I told them to delete my account 
because it seemed like suddenly they didn't want my content anymore. And it certainly seemed like they didn't want the content of folks who share my conservative views because they recently dinged me on two older editorials that they posted on my behalf from that RSS feed. I didn't even post it. Now, you get three strikes and you're out. Your account is kaput. And the first piece they gave me a strike on was titled Washington Department of Health Keeps Promoting Outdated COVID-19 Advice. Do you remember that story? We did it two weeks ago, I think. Yeah. Ish. Simple story. And it was given a strike for false or misleading content and for impartiality. Now, the impartiality part was kind of interesting. Like, you guys know you came to me because I do editorials, right? I'm I, I'm not going to be impartial. I, I take positions. I, 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 they're based in good faith, but I take positions. But obviously, as the title of that story suggests, I critiqued outdated COVID-19 advice that the Washington State Department of Health was putting out. That included that the vaccine prevents the spread of COVID. It does not. We know that. That is not controversial. That hand-washing stops the spread of COVID? No, it does not. That was advice that was killed long ago. They still want you to wash your hands, of course, but it doesn't stop COVID from spreading. And then number three, mask mandates don't work. They don't. There's plenty of studies and all of our experiences. None of those positions are particularly controversial anymore. This is 2023. Now, they're still viewed as conservative opinions by a lot, but those people don't know what it is they're talking about. Now, they don't explain in their email to me, dinging me for this, what is false or misleading. Why would they do that? Because that would mean their subjective position would be up for debate. Now, if they're upset that I'm impartial, you know, look up the role of editorials. That's, what is it, 90% of my content on KTTH.com and on this show, they're editorials. And I had to assume that the popularity of my work is probably what attracted someone from Newsbreak to reach out to me to begin with. So I sent it over to one of the contact emails, and they just said, just submit an appeal which I don't, I wish I screenshotted this part, but as I recall, the appeal that I could submit could only be like like 300 words. And my appeal to them was, well, don't really know what to dispute because you don't tell me what's wrong with the piece. I can tell you everything here is backed up by data. The links are in the source, something like that. It was denied. And it was denied that appeal without any explanation whatsoever. So, Again, not entirely sure I know what was wrong. Then I got an email telling me that I got a strike for an editorial titled Seattle Times Can't Figure Out Why Fentanyl Floods the City. You remember that story? Yeah. Three weeks ago, maybe? Mm, something like that. Something. It might have actually been after the other story. I can't remember. But in that article, I criticized this report from the Seattle Times that implied they had no idea how and why drugs were coming into the Seattle area. They were like, what, what remains a mystery is why there's so many drugs on our streets. Now, of course, they know exactly why. It's coming because we have porous borders and we legalize drugs in Washington state. It's really simple. And yet the strike that I got, the warning was that I was spreading, quote, false or misleading content. What was false or misleading about it? They don't explain. And at that point, when I got that email, 
I said to myself, yeah, I'm kind of getting the feeling they just don't like my opinions. They don't like my analysis. Which, by the way, get in line if you don't like my opinions or analysis. Yeah, they're, they're not original in oh, that. Oh, no. Just you're, you're adding that to the list behind the stranger, behind 97% of Seattle. I mean, the list is very long. I will say, though, they do hate consume my content, which I, I can't appreciate. Counts the same. So I, in this case, I didn't bother to appeal this particular strike. I, I Again, I don't even know how I would appeal that strike by simply saying, this is my opinion. I, I don't know how to do that. So I said to me, you know what? This is not worth my time. And so I sent them an email and I said, please delete my account. That was it. Please delete my account. And it would appear that they were participating, unfortunately, in some dangerous silencing, the kind that Facebook does, YouTube does, Twitter, when it was Twitter before Elon Musk, they used to do all the time. Rather than use objective standards, now let's move out big picture, left-wing big tech and small tech news break, by the way, they're a local company. They're based out of Bellevue, or at least they have offices in Bellevue. They allow a handful of moderators to use their subjective personal reactions to content as the basis for whether or not they're going to remove something or give you a strike. And if it's not a human being at first who does it, they have algorithms that are designed by human beings who very clearly don't want some content to be displayed. Now, if their rules were evenly applied and it wasn't just going after conservatives, again, I'm talking big picture now, I would have less of a complaint. I would still complain because I don't think it's right what they're doing, but they would take a key bit of criticism away from me, which is you're only going after conservatives. They don't apply the rules evenly because when you cannot win arguments, the radical left will just silence you. When they cannot win, they shut us down. They yield big tech and small tech, whether we're talking about Newsbreak or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, whatever. They yield a remarkable amount of power over what views are actually consumed, what positions are read or listened to. We don't have a town square. We're not going into the middle of town and having robust debates with our neighbors in between Sessions of, let's be honest, just getting sloshed at the local, uh, <laughs> the local bar. I mean, we, we just we're not doing that. We're not dude, riding on horseback, barely staying on board because we, you know, we pre-party before we went down to the town square to have these debates. That just doesn't happen anymore. The town square is now social media. It is. And yet we have these 20-something vegans sipping their oat milk lattes, dictating what content passes their personal ideological filters. And I would argue all of us are worse off because of it. We're, we're less informed. The way these companies abuse the system that they created is just wholly irresponsible. And they get away with it. Because there are no consequences, or at least for the longest time, there were no consequences. That's starting to change. You have X, formerly Twitter. They're now reformed. You have sites like Rumble, 
gaining in popularity and market share. You've got some growth. It's slow, but you've got growth within Truth Social and Getter. I hear people talking about Mastodon. I still don't know what that is. People actually use that? I see it in some people's profiles. I have no clue There was what like it a, is. a wave of people. Who pro- claimed that after Twitter. Yeah, 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 whenever it was supposed to go under. I don't know if that's what they ended up using. I don't know. But consumers are starting to have viable alternatives to YouTube, to Facebook, to Newsbreak. And the more content gets silenced, the more those alternatives are going to seem even more viable. And they're going to get more attention because at some point, the folks who are doing the censoring will end up getting censored. Or the people who don't seem to care about this, they themselves will get censored. And when it impacts them directly, they're, of course, going to be as mad as the conservatives are currently mad. Now, I have no idea in this case whether or not Newsbreak has a systemic issue where they just don't like conservatives or some rogue content moderator hit me or it's a at least initially the result of an algorithm. I can tell you that after I tweeted about this and after I wrote an article about this, I got a very lengthy email from one of the higher ups over at Newsbreak apologizing for everything that went down, saying that he overrode what happened, that he looked into it. I did nothing wrong and he wants me back on the platform. And I appreciated the email that I got. It was actually quite a few emails. At first, it looked like it was damage control and then it seemed genuine and i and i believe it to be genuine i you know the one of the original contacts who tried to get me involved was the one who reached out to me after seeing my my tweet about this and i I appreciated it don't know yet how i truly feel if i'm willing to give it a second chance because like i said number one i don't really have that much time (laughs) to spend on things like this It's not worth my time. Number two, as much as I believe the contact that I'm having with this individual as a higher up regrets what happened, it still happened. And there's one thing that I am above all else, and it's petty. 100%. I'm also handsome and witty, snarky, I I would put on that list. So above all things... There were actually many things, so there's not above. They're all equal playing field. Well, but there's a reason why you led with petty. Yes, I am petty. In this case, I don't think I'm being petty. I think they might think I'm being petty. I, I in in this circumstance, I was wronged. Right? Yeah. I, I, I didn't I didn't do anything wrong. I, I didn't even again, I didn't even post the content. It was auto populated. I didn't even do it. So I, I actually am not being petty. I am a petty person. But in this case, I'm not being petty. In this case, what I think is clear is that they have a problem with whatever system they're using, be it algorithm or be it a human being. And it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And that's the kind of stuff I don't forget. I sometimes don't forgive either. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Like there are many things you're, you've done unforgivable can understand that yeah so we'll see what i should do they came to you so i I actually do think you're in the right here Uh, uh, look i'm 100 in the right on this there no doubt whatsoever i am 100 in the right 
we did not violate a single rule. Even if you had a rule against COVID misinformation, didn't come from me. There was no COVID misinformation there. It's 2023, guys. But I'd like to hear from you. Tell me whether or not I should, in fact, go back and at least use it so that more of my content gets out there. It's a mutually beneficial deal, right? More people see my content, the better that is for me. 1-800-465-8770 for your text messages. 1-800-465-8770. You're listening to The Jason Rancho. Welcome back to The Jason Ranch Show. Really do appreciate you tuning in. Charlie Kirk from Turning Point USA ended up getting swarmed by radical leftists who decided to heckle him during an appearance at Northern Arizona University. It happened yesterday. And when you see some of the video, most of which the audio we cannot play because of how insanely vulgar it is, you would hear nothing but bleeps. You would hear just long bleeps. But when you see this video, you recognize, I think, you are looking at the worst of the worst of the worst. And it should tell you just how bad things are at college campuses where you're supposed to go and be exposed to different viewpoints and actually engage in discussions and start to find yourself in your worldview. But they have become, in the majority of cases, it feels like, bastions of left-wing propaganda and fanaticism. It's it's just unhinged. Listen to this. F-U fascists. And of course, it's ironic because the ones calling Charlie Kirk a fascist are the ones who are trying to stop an event from moving forward because they don't like the opinion. It is truly remarkable. Now, they don't say why they truly believe he is a fascist, but you can see some of the signs. There were a lot of trans uh, pride flags there. One was trans rights equal human rights. Well, then you didn't need to call him trans rights. You just say human rights. So, you you hear stories like this happening a lot, and it doesn't seem like it's getting better. And so what do you think is going to happen once they graduate from school, holding positions like them thinking this is appropriate, that this is an appropriate way to deal with someone that you don't like? And again, another bit of irony is his whole event, he does these at college campuses where he sits in a uh, under a tent and he said, the government is, is uh, dot, 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 convince me I'm wrong or tell me I'm lying. I, I think uh, trans rights aren't human rights. Tell me I'm wrong. So he's basically saying, you disagree with me? Fine. Come over to me and let's have a debate. Let's discuss this. But they believe on the radical left, particularly when it comes to college campuses, that they have positions that are above reproach, that because they believe it, therefore it is fact. And anyone who gets in the way of their facts are dangerous. They don't realize that their position is the dangerous one. And unless these kids start learning a little bit more, we're all screwed. Because they're the next generation of lawyers and doctors and teachers and talk show hosts. That's coming from this group of kids. 
They're going to be in positions of power. They're going to be future lawmakers, potentially. If AOC can do it, some dummy from Northern Arizona University with the degree in women's studies, that person, they, is, also could become one. So be aware of that. Because that should scare the heck out of you. And it should also scare the heck out of you if you don't purchase your VIP tickets for the Freedom Series. We've got a Freedom Series coming on October 24th in Everett at the historic Everett Theater. We have your, so when your mic is on and you're typing that loud, I can hear you. I'm just saying, you know, I told you to keep your mic on, but you're, you're, you've got the wrong kind of keyboard. Well, Ask I told engineering to, a- to get a quiet one. Okay, I had CC a, a me on the email. Extremely long-running <laughs> feud with engineering about these keyboards, so I'm, I'm glad you said something. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, but let's get back to my description of the event. It's called Saving Washington State. Lots of great things happening. We've got to get speeches and panels from folks like Dave Reichert and Semi Bird, Brandy Cruz. We're going to have Snohomish County Sheriff Adam Fortney and Councilmember Nate Nearing, the GOP Chairman Jim Walsh, Jonathan Cho, Victoria Taft former SPD chief Carmen Best, and a lot of special guests. We're only selling VIP tickets for now. We will open up GA next week, but for $75, you get a private meet and greet with Brian Suits and I. I'm going to grab Victoria Taff and make her go too. You will get a, uh, an autographed, personalized copy of my book, What's Killing America, and you get to pick whichever seat you want to get. You get to pick first. Go to ktth.com.